Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon, and happy Friday to you. It is a beautiful Friday, October 8th, 2021. It is high noon, just turned to 12.01 p.m. We are actually in the afternoon, and you are listening to and watching Your host, Ron L. Tate, and I am the pastor of the Father's House Frisco, and you are watching our podcast entitled The Father's Table. And this is a segment every Friday that we so affectionately call Midday Meditation, where we dive into the word of the living God. To learn of his ways, that we may embrace them and live our lives pleasing him, walking with him, being transformed by him. So I just welcome you, welcome you, welcome you. This is the passage of scripture that so often you hear me quote Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, and I'll start at verse 7. Joshua is being encouraged by the Lord. It is after the death of Moses, the leader of the nation of Israel, the Lord's people. Joshua is stepping in his place and the Lord says to him, only be strong and very courageous. He is leading them to a place, the Lord says, a land of promise after they come to him. They had already come to him in Mount Sinai and the story is too long right now for me to get into. But Joshua is charged with leading this nation across the Jordan River into the land of Cana that had been promised to them and the Lord says to him, be strong. And very courageous. I say to you today, my listeners, I say to myself today that even in the midst of the hour that we are standing in, many of us feel as if the enemy has been empowered. No, he may have been emboldened, but he has simply been exposed fully in front of our eyes. All that we are seeing has always been going on and taking place, but under the cloak of darkness. And we were deceived in many ways. And now, as they like to say, the jig is up. The cover has been pulled back. The blinders have been pulled off of many. And we are seeing him for what he really is and how he really uses people and manipulates people for his selfish gain and purposes. He tells Joshua, be strong, very courageous, he says, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. And he says, do not turn from the right hand or to the left. If you will keep your eyes fixated and focused upon 
the purpose and the plans of the Lord. He says, you'll make your way prosperous wherever you go. It is for us to no longer be distracted by the things of the day. Our world all around us has been, is being shaken. Everything that can be touched and turned over is being touched and turned over. Scripture tells us in Matthew 24 in one translation that the kingdoms of this world must be shaken for the coming of the kingdom of our God. Every distraction, every lesser lover, things that we love that cause us to have affection for them above having affection for the Lord our God. It must be shaken out of our life. He says, don't turn from it. Don't turn from what he's commanded you to the right hand or to the left. Don't become distracted with anything. He says, and only then will you prosper wherever you go. Verse 8, which you've heard me quote and mention so often. This book of the law. Those of you who are watching live, see me holding it. This Bible. For those of you who are listening on podcasts, I just lifted my Bible up. I pray that you have yours with you. I know that today in our society, we use phones and tablets and everything else for our Bibles. But to me, there is nothing like the book to hear those pages. And yes, I have the Bible app on my iPad and my own my iPhone, but I, I only use them when I'm looking for something quick and I need it or I want to see it in a different translation of something. They're not my main source of reading the scriptures. I have, even while we sit, I have multiple, I have three Bibles right here on my desk. But anyway, verse 8, this book of the law, the Bible that you have, shall not depart from your mouth. It should be close to your lips. We can speak about sports all day long. We can talk about politics and the events of the world. But he does not tell Joshua that those things should, depart, should not depart from his mouth. He says, this book of the law, the Bible, should ever be on your lips. You should always be speaking it, speaking it to yourself, to those around you. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, midday meditation, that you may observe to do according to to all that is written in it. It should always be in your mouth, always upon your lips, always speaking that you might hear it. You should be meditating upon it, he tells Joshua, day and night. He is telling us the exact same things. We are well versed in what the news is telling us. We are well versed in sports and what the sportscasters and we are well versed in the events and the things of the day 
we can rehash stats and statistics and details. We can talk about those daily. But when it comes to the thing that will prosper us and bring us to a life of true success from heaven's perspective, sadly, too many of us as believers are illiterate. Biblically illiterate. We don't know. And the way we live our lives within the culture says so. Our lives, literally, in many, many, many regards, probably most should be counter to the culture that is around us. The way that we live, the way that we go about doing things, it should be counter opposite of that because our home is in heaven. We are citizens of heaven for those of us who are believers. And therefore, our lives, our mature lives in Christ ought to look vastly different than the lives of the sons of the enemy, sons and daughters of the enemy. Matthew 13 calls them the tares. Sons and daughters of God are called the wheat. And they start out looking the same. But there comes a day when maturity happens. Yes, the sons of the devil, the daughters of the devil who are living for them, they mature in their evil. The same way you and I ought to mature in goodness, in purity, in holiness, in love, in hope, in righteousness. There ought to be a maturing of our life. But in the maturing of the sons of God, sons and daughters of God, Versus the maturing of the sons and daughters of the evil one, there is a vast difference. So our lives ought to look different than what the culture is saying around us they should look. And he says, when you meditate in this, when you meditate in the Bible, in the word of the Lord, the law of God, he says, you'll prosper and you'll make your way successful. That's what we do today. That's what we are after is the maturing of our lives. We are after making our way successful before him. That is what we're after. That is the reasoning reason for midday meditation so I pray that you will join us for the duration another 35-40 minutes I pray you're with us as we dive into the scriptures we're encouraged by his voice and his word to not just feel good to not simply to be inspired but to be challenged to live to live what to live his life it's available to us I don't know about you but the events of the last 19, the last 20 months, whatever it, it has been, 
even now, as a believer, first, as a pastor, second, I am angered by the state of our nation. There are things that I can no longer do, no longer tolerate, and I should not. There are things that bother me right now to no end, and I'm not here to create a soapbox for that. But for all of us as believers, we should be bothered by the exposing of the enemy and his workers in front of us. This hasn't just started. This has been going on for years, decades. Under the cloak of deception, under the cloak of darkness. And the cloak has been pulled back by the Father that we might see the true condition and state of the enemy, but also of our own hearts. I pray that we are repulsed by any area of our heart that does not line up with the purity of his heart. And the reason I say all of this is that we should be repulsed to such a degree that we ready ourselves to stand for war. For war against the kingdom of darkness. The Bible tells us that the enemy rages. Last week, I talked about Psalms 2 where it says the nations rage. The Bible also tells us that the enemy rages and he rages and wages war against the saints. I told you last week the Psalms 2 says that the nations rage and the kings plot. They meditate. That's that word plot. They plot vain things. Why they want to cast off what they call as the restraints of the Lord. The Bible says in Revelation that the enemy rages. He wages war against the saints, and here is why. He knows his time is short, and the end draws near for him. You and I and believers, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, this is the hour, and you are alive. You were born for this moment. You were born for this hour in history. You are the dream of God for this moment. You are the one that he has assigned to a function of establishing truth and pushing back and eradicating the unfruitful works of darkness in this age and in this hour. And for decades, the enemy has attempted to lull us to sleep in comfort that we would not wage war against his kingdom in our homes, in our society, 
in media, in entertainment, in education, in all of these spheres of society. But that is exactly what we have been called to do. The Bible says of Jesus that he came to destroy the works of the enemy. And if we are to be like our master, then we will push back. We will stand. And that does not simply mean being on social media and throwing up posts and doing things and you are making a stand. But it means walking in no fear. It means coming to a place where I will live in holiness, in truth, in righteousness, in justice. And I will push against anything that wars against the love of the Father in my hour. It is written in Luke chapter 3, verse 4, when about John the Baptist. This was his assignment before Jesus came. If you are aware, he is returning. And there is a mandate for us to do similarly to what John the Baptist did the first time he came. We are to push back against the enemy and push his kingdom back to disrupt, to tear down his evil hordes all over the nations. And I tell you that he is using and manipulating Christians all over for his selfish gain. And it is time for us who have been released from the manipulation, who see better and clearly to begin to rescue brothers and sisters of ours who have been caught in his wake, in his deception, in his manipulation, that the kingdom of our God may be made whole and true. John the Baptist, it is written. I'll start in verse 3. And he went, Luke chapter 3, verse 3. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching the baptism, a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, listen to what was said of John the Baptist. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. I'm telling you, many of you right now listening to my voice, to my voice, you have a voice in you. You are not just an echo. We oftentimes start as an echo on our walk. We echo the ones that we uh, admire, mentors, teachers. We echo but the echo is unto something. It is unto us actually leaning in to the Lord our God. Coming to a place of true intimacy with him. That we actually become his voice unto wherever he has called us. The day of the ones who have been hidden. And their revealing is upon us. Slowly, one by one, two by two, multitudes, you will see them 
the hidden ones that no one knows about, you will all of a sudden begin to hear voices erupt that shake your core because of the anointing and the power that is resident inside of them. There will be an amplification to the voice of Jesus and the voice of the Holy Spirit within them. And it will grip you and bring you to this place where you long for nothing else and no one else but the master. And you yourself will be transformed into a voice. This is the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough ways smooth. All flesh shall see the salvation of their God. The voice in John crying in the wilderness. He came to prepare the way of the Lord. Many of us right now don't know, are not paying attention that the day of our Lord's return draws near. And we have an assignment, a calling to prepare the way for his return. Many of us have the wrong idea that because our world is in shambles right now, that the Lord can come at any day and rapture me out of here. He's not coming for that. He's coming with the full expectation that you are here fulfilling your assignment. Healing the sick, casting out devils, making straight the highway of the Lord. That you are making pathways straight before him that you are creating monuments of truth that can never be torn down. You are establishing ways in the midst of darkness that the Lord can come and walk upon and do away with our enemy once and for, for all. Fear can be no more. How do we deal with it by embracing his love. John the apostle writes in his epistle perfect love that is complete or matured love. Let love have its fullness inside of you. Let it lead you into places where rough people offend you and you learn to love them anyway. Let his love lead you to places around people who are unlovable at best. And you must love them with the love that the Father has placed inside of you. Perfect love. In our day and in our hour, it is sorely needed. All you have to do is turn on the TV. All you have to do is go on any social media platform and you will be inundated with murder. You will be inundated with hatred, vitriol, anger. 
And the Lord is looking for his lovers in the midst of that. He is looking for the people who will love so deeply and so completely that other people will criticize them as being weak and will warn them that they will be used and taken advantage of if they will love like this. The Father has always loved like this. And he has had people as far back as humans have been around turn their backs on him. And he has continued to love perfectly and completely. And it is that love received of by us if we would receive the Father's love taken unto us that we would love so deeply and completely that we would put ourselves out on the line, our hearts, that people might know him, that people might see him. Someone says, well, that's weakness. Oh, he tells Paul in 2 Corinthians, when Paul asked him about the thorn in his flesh, it was a messenger of Satan. Satan had sent a messenger to Paul to buffet him, to irritate him, to bother him. Paul tells you why. He says, because of the abundance of revelation that I receive from the Lord. This messenger came to try to get him not to live in the revelation to get him not to teach it, to irritate him everywhere that he went. Paul asked the father, can you remove this? He asked the Lord, he says, I sought the Lord three times over this thorn in the flesh, over this messenger of Satan sent to my life to, that followed me everywhere that I went. And the Lord said this to him, my grace is sufficient for you. And he goes on and he says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So where others think you're weak, where you may think you're weak, where you think it's a show of weakness, the Lord says, that's the place where true strength can be seen because I am the strong one. And I will come in the places that you are weak. And I will be your strength. Paul says, therefore, I have learned to glory. I have learned to embrace, to love my weaknesses. Because I know that in those places, the Lord is mighty in my life. It's our hour, church. And I speak to the one church, not the individual locations and houses that you who may be listening attend. I speak to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is our hours to shake off the doldrums, to shake off the tormenting and terrorizing fear of the enemy and believe greater in the power of the living God of Jesus who resides in you. To believe actually that he is greater than the one we propagate, the one we declare about his fear and what he's able to do. We talk about the enemy so much. We worship him in our conversations without realizing it. 
but we need to talk about what the Lord is doing in our midst, what the, how great he is, and believe that truly he's greater than any other force in the universe and that there is nothing that can stand against him. There is no one who can withstand one whose heart blazes with the fire of Christ in them, whose eyes have been lit up with the glory of the living God in them. There is no one, no force, no being, not even the devil himself who can withstand Jesus, his face, his shining brilliance, and his glory. And the earth, all of nature, all of creation, every human being, whether they know it or not, is waiting for the sons and daughters to stand up and take their rightful place and to be the lights of truth, the lights that point the way to Christ that we were meant to be waiting for us to stand up and free them from the clutches that the enemy has placed upon them. Free them to a place of actually living again. And that's our calling, our destiny. If you're alive in this hour, you've been called to great glory. There will be great shaking, but there will also be great glory. There will be great darkness. Isaiah 61 tells us deep darkness, but it also tells us that there will be greater glory. We have been called to radiate the greater glory that is in the face of Jesus Christ, the son of the, li of the living God. You and I have been called as torchbearers of the glory of the living God. In this hour, we must stand without running, even if we do not know what to do. I will not be pushed backward, but Lord, I will stand until I hear your command. I will not be pushed back. I will not be turned and pushed into fear but I will stand for you and you alone. It is why we have been talking about holiness so much. It is the life of the believer. It is the stand of the believer. It is a stand for the kingdom inside of a culture that is hypersexualized inside of a culture that does things by any means necessary, even if it means to lack integrity, inside of a culture where there's wars inside of households between husbands and wives, inside of a culture where there's war between skin color, inside of a culture where there are political wars, inside of a culture where there are wars of every kind, and did not he warn us? You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. <laughs> and we just thought that they would be against nations and that's it. But they are inside of nations all around us. 
the enemy does not care. He has one assignment, Jesus told us, to steal, to kill, and destroy. And he will turn and rip nations apart. He will turn people against one another. We didn't know that it would be wars against masked or unmasked, against vaccinated or unvaccinated. We didn't know that there will be censorship battles, that I just making that statement right there, mentioning the word vaccine or vaccinated, that right here on Facebook or YouTube, they would want to censor me for making that statement. But I don't care. The word of the Lord is true no matter what. There must be in the midst of all of these wars, the main war is against the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the enemy. And his assignment is to separate and to tear down. The Lord's is to give life. He brings death. The Lord gives life. He brings together. He makes new. He unites unity. Holiness, our life, is his life. Because holiness produces life in others. Holiness produces life in me. And it's the life that he's called us to. The enemy has told us as we were growing up, it's naive. It's the word they used to use is you're square. I know that's dating me, but these are different words. We try to put pressure on people to walk out of purity and innocence. We criticize people for not knowing certain things. Let me tell you, sometimes you sleep better at night the less you know. Sometimes you function better during the day the less you know. The more information you know and take in, sometimes the more your insides are ruffled with fear and anxiety. That's why for many of you who are believers, you need to shut off the mainstream news media. You need to sign off of social media. Stop checking it so much. Simply that a measure of peace Jesus said, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. It's not the peace, he says, that the world gives. Paul talks about it in Philippians. He says, and this is the amplified version. He says, the peace of God. The amplified says, that shall mount up guard and garrison. Military people understand those terms. They're military terms guard and garrison. These are fortresses and forts around you. He says his peace will be a guard. It will be a garrison that cannot be penetrated around your life. It's the life of the believer. Holiness is a part of that. How holy are you living in your own house? What are your thoughts toward your spouse? 
What are your thoughts toward your children? Children, what are your thoughts toward your parents? How holy are you in your own home? Amongst your friends, Psalm 15, we have been talking about it, and I only have a few minutes, and I pray that you have already received something out of what has been declared. Psalm 15, there are 11 characteristics we have been talking about for those of you who this is your first time. We have been talking about the 11 characteristics of the individual who is able to walk with, to stand in the presence of the Lord, not just sometimes, not just every once in a while, but always. It's important to differentiate because I believe that many Christians, many of us as believers, and for those of you who are listening and you say you may not be a believer necessarily in Jesus Christ. You may believe in him, but you are not, you haven't given your life to him and living for him and crossed over into this place that you live your life believing in the son of God, in his ways and in his word. But you have been around society long enough that you believe he existed. Today can be your day. To make him the Lord of your life. You say how do I do that? You simply need to. Confess your sins. According to Romans. Confess that you are a sinner. Your sins. My sins. The Bible says we were born in sin. And shaped in iniquity. That word iniquity. Lawlessness. Rebellion. Casting off restraints. Not following any laws or rules of the kingdom we were born in that way so there is a sin nature that everyone has but then there we come to this place where we pass from just living in the sin nature that we begin to live in our sins we begin to live in a way that is contrary to the ways of the lord For those of you who are wondering what, what this red stuff I'm drinking is, my vitamin C's. We're living contrary to his ways. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you will confess with your mouth, confess that you've sinned against the Lord. Lord, I have sinned against you. Please forgive me. And if you will confess that you believe that Jesus came, he lived a perfect sinless life. He died in your place. He took your place upon the cross, died for your sins, my sins, went into hell for three days, took your place and paid the penalty for you. If you will confess that and believe in your heart that he did these things and that he is now, he rose from the dead and he is now seated with the father in heavenly places. And he did this for you that you might become what the people at Antioch said of the disciples, Christians, or those who act, live, look like Christ, Christ ones, Christians. He says you can pass over into this life, but it doesn't stop there. 
You must begin to live this way. You must be discipled in the ways of the Lord. You must begin to walk with him. Yes, you need to be in a church, but you also need someone, a mentor in your life, someone who will walk alongside of you, who will give the word of God to you, who will disciple you, make you like one of the followers of Jesus and reveal to you the ways of Christ in life, in action, in deed, and in truth. It can be your way. But for those of us who are believers, I say not momentarily, I did not forget where I was. Because I believe that many of us have at some point in time experienced some measure of the presence of God. Whether in a service, whether in prayer somewhere, in worship somewhere. You got goosebumps when someone prayed for you or in his presence, whatever. But this passage of scripture, and Jesus has spoken to this, the Bible speaks of it always. It was the heart of the Lord all the way back in Genesis that man would always walk with him. That we can always walk with him. We can always stand in his presence. That we would never grieve or quench the spirit of God, but we could always be with him. Eleven characteristics. Integrity was the first one. One who walks uprightly. The second one, Psalm 15, verse 1, is the he who works righteousness, who lives from the place of righteousness. The third one we talked about was one who uh, speaks the truth. Is verse, verse 2. He speaks the truth in his heart. He doesn't lie to himself. <laughs> That's big. We have people all over the place. Not only are they lying outwardly to others, but they lie to themselves. We don't tell ourselves the truth. Have you ever seen anyone who, or have you been this person that makes excuses for yourself? You're lying to you. You, you, you coddle your own flesh. You're lying to yourself. Trying to make yourself feel better when you need to just deal with the issue in your life, allow the Lord to uproot it and pull it out. Get rid of it. The, the fourth one is he who does not backbite with his tongue. We were speaking of this last week. It's in Proverbs, it speaks of a talebearer. It's one who slanders or gossips. You know, people all over the church world, if you ask, most people will tell you that they know that gossip is a sin or that they should not gossip. But do you know all over the church as a whole, as a whole, and I'm not talking about the places who don't do, there are places, but we are one no matter what quote-unquote local church we attend. Gossip is, gossip is huge. And we think that because we're doing it in our own home at a kitchen table with just certain people that no one else heard me, it's no big deal. It's gossip. The Lord heard you. To slander. How easy it is for us to talk about someone and to tear them down 
because maybe they acted a certain way to us. How easy it is for us not to believe the best about an individual. And, and this, this happens amongst family, husbands and wives, children, you know, parents and children and family members. It, it, it happens. We, we slander. And then sometimes we'll say, well, I didn't say it, but we're thinking it. To backbite means to say or to say mean or spiteful things. This is a Webster's Dictionary verse. To say mean or spiteful things about a person, such as someone who is not present. It's one thing to have a heart where I tremble and I need to warn someone whose life is in danger whose spiritual life, whatever, they are in danger. They could be in physical danger. They, they, you know what? You need to separate from that person. It's a whole nother thing when I begin to talk about people who just rub, rub me the wrong way. And, and, and sometimes even when we're doing this, we're using the guise, I just want to warn you. No, you just want to gossip. Because there's this a talebearer Talebearer in Proverbs is one, there's this word, officiously. That word means to tell information, to tell tales about someone. When a person didn't ask you, they're not even involved. They're not in the relationship. They're not with this person. It has nothing to do with them. They can't fix it. They can't help. It's one thing going to a lead or someone who's an authority that can fix the issue. I'll give you an example. And I know I'm almost out of time. The first church my wife and I uh, planted back in Illinois, I, there was a member of our church at this time who came later on after we had been uh, in existence for a couple of years. We were growing and this individual came and they seemed wonderful. But there came to a point where they began to sow discord. Uh, discord is one of those things where the Bible says in Proverbs that there's this verse, and I don't want to go over to it. I can't think of the exact address, but the, the Bible says there are six things the Lord hates. Or well, seven, it says at the verse. And he goes down and lists. And the last one, it says, he who sows discord among brethren. He who comes in to try to separate people for no reason. They have no reason to do this. But this individual came and they started sowing discord within multiple people in the church. We started having people leave. They were talking about me behind my back and, you know, and I won't get into a whole lot of details, but I wind up confronting this individual and I put them out of the church. Why? because I'm supposed to care for the flock. That's an assignment. That's what the Lord does. And that's an assignment. I had someone who came in as a wolf in sheep's clothing, ravaging the sheep, hurting people. And I found out that members who stayed and was there, and they were like, yeah, they, they came to me. And I looked at, and I said to them, how come you didn't say anything to me? And they were like, well, we didn't want to gossip. I said, that's not gossiping. I'm, in, I'm, 
I'm the under shepherd. I'm the one whom the Lord has placed in in leadership under him. I'm the one who has been placed as managing and looking after his house in this regard. And I said, you have a responsibility if someone is doing things like this, talking negatively and being doing these type of things. I said, for your own sake, because they have now sown seeds in you that at some point the enemy will want to bring to harvest. I, I had to say that to multiple people because it's different when I'm in a, you're in authority. And people under you are telling you what people are doing on your watch because you won't know everything. I knew something was going on by the Spirit of God. I said, man, some, someone is talking about me, talking about us, and they're, and, but I didn't know who right away. And no one revealed it to me. The Lord wind up revealing it to me. It was after I put this person out of church that I had this conversation with these people. That's not backbiting. That's not tailbearing to go to someone in charge and trust that they will handle correctly and rightly. Now, if I did that to you being in charge, that's tail, tail bearing and gossiping, etc. But this word tail, bear, tail bearer, it's going to one some, someone because when you do that to tell information that's not asked for, what you're doing is trying to wrestle favor to your side. There are people, sadly, the enemy sins. He plants them amongst us. The tares and the wheat. Go read Matthew 13. He plants them amongst us. And when you have a purity about your life and you truly carry an anointing upon your life, oftentimes the enemy will send people your way. And he will send people in the place where you're weak, the weakness in your life. And you have to keep your eyes on Jesus, all eyes on Jesus all the time. You know, you hear coaches, all eyes on me to his players when he's talking. Well, I'm telling us right now, all eyes on Jesus. I heard that recently and I loved it. I said, I'm taking it. All eyes on Jesus all the time, all eyes on him. They will send, the enemy will plant people around us to maliciously communicate intelligence, scandal, to make mischief in our life with our relationships because they, the enemy wants to wrestle us away from those who keep us strong. It, it's, I know that social media is not going to like me for this, but so be it. I, I put this up on my own podcast and it's on our website. So if you want to hear everything and not worry about whether they do anything about it, so be it. It's the reason why, truly, for the mask mandates and the six feet apart and the not gathering more than 10, it's the enemy making mischief, trying to separate us. Because if he can separate us, he can cause us to get into fear. He can pick us off one by one. Fear can settle in because we don't have anyone to encourage us, to infuse us with hope. We don't have anyone where we sharpen one another. As iron, the Bible tells us, sharpens one another. So a friend sharpens the countenance of his friend. A tailbearer can be planted. I, I didn't ask for this information, but I'm telling you information 
about your friends or about this person over here because I want to wrestle favor away. I want to separate you. I want to get you offended with someone you shouldn't be. Someone who could be a major blessing of the Lord in your life, but I offend you before the relationship can even get going. Or as the relationship is going, tell Bill. The next one, and then, then we're going to have to end. I'm already at my time. He who does, the one who can, these are people who can always stand in the presence of the Lord, which means we have to be cognizant of these things. That there, I have a weakness. I have a tendency toward this. Lord, help me. He who does no evil to his neighbor. This word evil, adversity, affliction, uh, calamity, displeasure, naughtiness, mischief, wretchedness, wrong. All the things that, you, you know, we would think of with evil. Now, here's the question. Who is our neighbor? <laughs> That's the big question. This word right here in the Hebrew for neighbor is an associate more or less close, but it's also used as a brother, a fellow, a friend, a husband, a lover. Definition of an associate is a partner, it's a friend, a companion. It means to join or to connect together in any endeavor, to bring together or into relationship in, a in any of a various intangible ways. There's multiple verses I put down for this as well. Psalm 101.5, Proverbs 3.29, so that you can go back on your own time and look at these. Uh, Proverbs 11.12, Proverbs 27.10, Mark 12.31. Why? Because the Bible tells us out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. The one who can stand in the presence of the Lord is he who does no evil to his neighbor. I don't go about doing anything to hurt basically anyone that I come in contact with. Anyone I cross paths with, I do no evil to. No calamity, adversity, no hurt, no mischief. It means that I do not in any kind of way carry inside of my heart any intention to hurt anyone. That's our, our calling as a believer. I don't backbite with my tongue, which means I don't even, I don't have the luxury. Sometimes we think, well, I didn't say anything, but as a believer, I don't even have the luxury to think it, and I, I must deal with the thought. The Bible tells me to cast down vain imagination. I don't have the luxury to even think it because if I think it at some point under great pressure, what is in my heart will come out. I will be squeezed. I don't have the luxury to hold it as a thought. And then the other person who can stand in the presence of the Lord is the one who has, will never intentionally hurt anyone. We've all hurt someone, but we can never intentionally try to sabotage. If anyone amongst you is a believer and you have lived in any way, any point in time to purposely hurt someone because you're upset at them or angry with them, you need to go before the Lord right now in repentance and ask him, ask him to remove the evil out of your heart. We as believers we have no right 
to do evil to anyone. An associate, a partner, a friend, a spouse, anyone. Evil should not be in our heart. And that doesn't mean that we're not human and that we're sometimes unknowingly and without purpose we may hurt someone without thinking, out of ignorance, out of all of these things. But it can never be in our heart to carry it, to do it purposefully to our neighbor. Anyone we encounter, the grocery store clerk, the DMV associate behind the counter, your children, your spouse, a friend who has hurt you, someone who a spouse who has divorced you or filed for divorce, someone we as believers have no luxury or right to carry evil towards someone else in our heart. And when we try to justify it, we are slowly allowing the enemy to deceive us and be used for his sinister purposes. In our day and in our hour today, we need more people more believers who've taken up the life of Christ and who will shout it wherever they are who will blow the trumpet of his goodness and his life right where they are that his kingdom may be seen, may be experienced we must learn to love without forsaking the truth we must learn to embrace the truth without hating. I have no problem with telling someone who, and have done so, and this individual that I'm thinking of right now who was living a homosexual life, I told them that before the Lord, this life was an abomination, and yet the Lord loves them with everything, and I love them with everything. This person was in their choir at this church they were attending, and I told them, that the life was wrong and yet the Lord loves them and yet the Lord wants them with all of his heart but that life style needs to be forsaken we must be able to love deeply love the Lord first love people without embracing the ways of the culture around us I pray out of all of my ramblings today and I know I've gone long that you've received something out of this podcast. I pray you are not offended in any way because I'm, if you are, I'm not offended with you that you might be offended, but I love you. The Lord is everything. He is the only thing, and I pray that for our lives, we will grab hold of that and we will live it no matter what. Well, you have been listening to Midday Meditations at the Father's Table. I have been your host, and I know we've gone over time for those of you who are watching us live, but that's okay. It's the Lord podcast, and we can do whatever we want to do as, long, as far as he tells us to. But you've been listening to Midday Meditation. I have been your host, Ronnell Tate, and I am the lead pastor of the Father's House Frisco. I'm so grateful, honored, and privileged that you would join us today. I pray 
that something I said today, something out of the word, gripped your heart and your life and produces change that the word, the Bible tells us in Isaiah 58, that the word of the Lord, his voice, his word released will not return unto him void. So I pray that the word released today into your life will not return unto the Lord void, but it will accomplish inside of you everything he sent it to accomplish. And you will begin the journey of becoming even more like him until the day of his return. Well, I bless you and I pray that you have a tremendous weekend in the presence of the Lord. Again, you've been listening to Midday Meditation at the Father's Table. And I am your host, Pastor Ron L. Tate. And this Sunday at the Father's House, Frisco, 10 a.m., we go live. And next week, we have Defining Moments on the 13th in the evening. And then again, Midday Meditation next Friday. We'll see you there. God bless you. And I pray you have a wonderful weekend.